You're listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. Paradox Church is a Jesus-centered community where our motto is, Come as you are, no perfect people allowed. For more information about our service times, location, and to get connected with us, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome to Paradox This Morning. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and we are in the middle of this Relationship Goals series. We've been taking a look at some relationship goals that we want to have to make sure that our relationships in life, whether those are the most important relationships that you have with your spouse or significant other, or some of the other relationships that we have with people, this is a series for you as we look at how some of the goals, some of the practices that we can have and put into effect uh, to make sure that our relationships are healthy and thriving and lasting for the long term. So week one, we talked about how we can make our relationships Christ-centered and how we need to make sure that we have Christ-centered relationships and going after prayer together because nothing brings you together with others. Like basing your relationship on Jesus and specifically doing that in prayer. Last week, Mike was up here. He talked about having a mission together as we asked that age-old question, where is this relationship going? Some of the strongest, most healthy relationships are those that have an agreed-upon direction, a mission, a vision, and we encouraged everyone to find that in 2020. If you are in a relationship, you have relationships, if you're looking for relationships, one of the best ways is to get on mission with other people. And today we're going to be talking about having a wingman, a wingman or a wingwoman. Now, I don't know what you think about when you hear the term wingman. Uh, Perhaps some of you think about, well, uh, this. (laughs) Truly a wingman, all right? Um, very, very scary. I'm glad the kids are gone now before they saw that. Um, or, but maybe some of you think, ah, yes, wingman, and something pops into your head that's a little bit more like that. Yes. Clearly, that is, those are some wings, buffalo wild wings, doing some Caribbean jerk or maybe some dry rub on there. Love the wings, all right? But no, neither one of those things are what we're talking about when we talk about wingmen today. Uh, maybe there's a third thing, though, that you would think the ultimate wingman, all right? Joey, also known as Ken Adams. Yeah, anybody? No other Friends fans? Ken Adams up there. How you doing? He's the kind of wingman. Maybe you've done. You've done the bar scene. You know the value of having a wingman, right? You think back to Top Gun and Goose. Every great pilot has a great wingman. Somebody's a Goose fan back there. You look at Star Wars, right? And there's, there's always the dude in the back that's doing all the shooting and taking the heat back there. Every great pilot needs a great wingman, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So before we go any further, though, uh, we are going to do something that we always do. And I don't just want to blow by it uh, today because it is an opportunity for great joy. Everything that we do here today, we want to make an opportunity for you to encounter Jesus because he has life and joy and goodness for you. So we are about to take our offering. And while I want to say, like, hey, if you're new, if you're just checking things out here today, this is not a moment that's for you. We want to invite everybody that's, that's willing and wanting to, to participate in this moment, even though it's not expected and you don't have to at all, um, because we do believe that God is a giver. 
He is a chain breaker. He is a, a life giver, and he has freedom and joy for you. And when we trust him with every area of our life, we actually find a lot of joy. So those offering bucket, bus, buckets are getting picked up from one end and handed down to the other end right now. And we thank you. Thank you for being on this mission with us. And we're praying that God will be providing for you in every single way and filling you up with a whole lot of joy as we give back what he has so generously and joyfully given to us. As we get started, though, today, would you join me in prayer? Father God, thank you that those words that we just sung are actually true, God. You are a pain taker. You are a way maker. You are a chain breaker, God. And so I pray that every single area that we have walked into this church here today with, the pain, the lostness, the confusion, the relational hurt, God, anger, things that have been building up or being held onto for years, Father, even addiction, depression, hopelessness, anxiety, relational struggle, God, would you meet us here today? You have plans and a purpose, God, and you've brought every single person, no matter where we are, here because you love us and you want relationship with us and you have good for us. So would you boldly, powerfully, God, speak to our hearts through the words that I'm going to say, and would you set people free to experience the life and the joy and the freedom and the healing that you have for every single one of us today. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And may the Packers win today. That's right. Just had to throw that in there. It was post-amen, though, for anybody that booed, so I don't know if it counts. You know? Well, <laughs> we shall see. It'll be the test of the day. Well, like I said, we're talking about wingmen, and we all have these different uh, images that come to mind when you have wingmen, and we can all see the value in having a wingman, especially if you are flying a jet or going to the bar or something like that. Their wingmen are these people that, or wing person, you know, but for ease of, of saying, I'll just say wingman today, um, there's people that watch your back. They got your back. They're looking out for you, the places that you can't see, the things that aren't on your radar, and they're going to take care of you. They're going to cover you. They're going to fight for you, and they're watching out for you. And we see the benefit in so many of the areas of our lives, except when it comes to this one area in particular, our spiritual lives. When it comes to, to the deep, dark places of our hearts and our soul, a lot of times we go, no, no, no. I don't need anybody else involved in that stuff, though. I don't need a wingman. When it comes to my spiritual relationship, it's my personal relationship with God. These things like talking about spirituality or Jesus following him, that stuff seems really, really personal, and we use this word, very private, right? We don't talk about those things. Maybe it's because we think that. It's, it's just too private. And I'll admit, right, this is a struggle for me too. Gwen and I are doing this study together, and we have one book, all right? And there's all these answers, and we're going through, and, uh, and there's, <laughs> there's these questions that come up in the book. And, you know, I'm, I'm writing down my answer, and then I know Gwen's going to go back and, and do her answer too. And I was the first one to get to this question in particular, but it's like, what are some of the areas of struggle in your life right now? Something like that. And I'm just like, uh, pass. And went right by it, right? <laughs> you know? Because I know Gwen's going to see this. And we're married. We share everything. But in this one area, it's so hard to be vulnerable and bring these things out and go like, hey, I need a wingman here. Because I look at this stuff and I'm like, oh, no, that's pretty private. I don't know if I want 
everybody, specifically my wife, to see the, the stuff that's in my heart. And so we just pass. We say, no thanks, I'm the spiritual wingman. I'm just going to go this one alone. Maybe it's because we're afraid of judgment. We see it privately or we, we're just afraid of being judged. Fear of judgment will hold us back in so many areas from stepping out into the light and going, all right, this is who I am. This is where I'm at. And, I, you know, it's, it's January, week three, I'm still doing, I've got three 5Ks. That's one of my resolutions. It's one of my goals. Me and Gwen are going to be running three 5Ks this year. You're not impressed. I don't know why. <laughs> it's very impressive to me. Okay? Um, three times the amount that's ever been done in a year before, uh, at least. So, um, yeah, we're going to be, we're, we're starting with the Poonchki run in Hamtramck. So we got work to do. And so we're going, we're waking up early and we're going to Planet Fitness. We're all over the place. On every single wall, there's, maybe you've been there. Maybe you know what I'm about to say. Judgment-free zone, right? So good. Grab a Tootsie Roll on your way out. Bagels. Don't, oh, hey, Monday is pizza day. It's so good, right? There is no judgment here. But one of the crazy things about this is what, imagine if you walked into the gym where you came to improve yourself, right? To get healthy. And because this was a judgment-free zone, hey, everybody gets to come as you are. Um, you look around and there's, there's the donuts, there's the Tootsie Rolls, there's the pizza, but there's no exercise equipment, right? Because we want, we, we want you to come as you are and not feel bad, not feel any judgment. No, there's a difference here, right? Planet Fitness is saying like, hey, we want to walk alongside of you. We want you to come as you are, but we want to be your wingman here too. We don't want you to stay as you are. Well, I think that they might want you to stay as you are, honestly. <laughs> there's a lot of profit in them staying as you are. But we as a church, we, that's not how it is here, you know? We want you to come as you are and not stay as you are. Why? Because there's a lot of goodness for you. There's freedom for you, and we want that for you. But in, our, in ourselves, we say, ah, no, my spiritual life, I don't want anybody to judge me. I think I would prefer to just stay as I am because that can be scary. It doesn't feel good. And a lot of that comes from the third thing here. We've had bad experiences with stuff like this before right? Maybe you have met with somebody. Maybe you have shared one of those secrets or a things that you're, thing that you're struggling with before, and it didn't go all that well. Like, you got the look, like, oh, now, wow, yeah. Um, or you got referred out, like, to somebody else, or somebody told somebody else who told somebody else. Everybody tells somebody, it seems like, and you end up embarrassed, ashamed, or you get into one of these like hyper-legalistic, really tough accountability relationships where every time you see that person, all you want to do is run the opposite way because you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't do my workout. I need to leave now. They're going to see me with the donut in my hand. You know, like we've had bad experiences with this stuff. Some of you have been around church for a long time. Maybe you've been even been in an accountability relationship before where it feels awful, it feels awful. You just get together for your breakfast, and it's like, did you sin this week? You know, yeah. Did you sin this week? Yeah. What should we do? Not sin next week or something. It's just, <laughs> it, it's, it's just you just feel bad, and it doesn't work, and you have this bad experience, and you're like, I don't even know why we bother with this stuff. So at the end of the day, we're like, I don't know. It's scary. It's awkward. It doesn't work. I don't like it. So we end up going, I don't need a wingman when it comes to, to Jesus stuff. I don't need to involve anybody else. I'm going to fight alone. This, this journey, I'm going to go alone. I'm going to fly solo. And in, as a result, we don't end up experiencing a lot of the benefits, a lot of the life that having a wingman 
will bring in our lives. A whole lot of us end up living in isolation. We, we end up with tons of insecurity. Why do we have insecurity? Because, because it comes from this fear of being found out. It's tough to be secure when you wonder all the time, am I going to get caught? Am I going to get found out? I know they like me right now, but what if they knew this about me? What if they found out that about me? So we end up living in isolation and we're insecure. We don't end up, as a result, experiencing love and grace and acceptance and intimacy because, believe it or not, when we're dealing with fear and insecurity and isolation, we actually, even the people that would say they're our friends, even our spouse at times, we could say, yeah, I know they say they love me, but if they actually knew me, they probably wouldn't, right? Would our relationship still be the same if all the stuff actually came out? And as a result, we, we're not able to even receive love from other people because we're holding on to this stuff. We're flying solo. We're afraid. We're insecure. We're living in isolation, and we can't experience all the things that we're so afraid of not experiencing in the first place. And as a result of that, we end up not experiencing the healing, the freedom, the growth that Jesus actually has for us, that we're, we're designed and called to live in as people. We're never truly known, and we can't be built up by anyone because there's no one in our lives to be able to do that. And today, I just want to say that we can only fight what we're willing to bring into the light. All right, you want to say that with me? We can only fight what we bring into the light. And it's an awkward, scary journey, but I'm going to tell you it's worth it today. It is a relationship goal worth having. Whether you are talking about your friends, your small group, your new relationship, your very, very experienced relationship, no matter where we are in life, it is worth inviting people in to know you fully and see your stuff and say, hey, I need you to be my wingman and I want to be yours because we're going to fight together and the only way we can do that, the first step is by bringing things into the light. Why are we talking about, this, about all this? Because we need to understand and never forget that we have a spiritual enemy. We have a spiritual enemy who hates God and everything that matters to God, and that includes and is most of all you and me. He hates you, and he hates the things that God wants to do for you, the, the, the things that he's called you into, the goodness and life and healing and freedom that he has for you. In the New Testament of the Bible, Paul this guy that wrote letters to churches everywhere, and much of those make up the New Testament of the Bible. There's one to a church in Ephesus that's now called Ephesians. And in chapter 6, verse 11 and 12, Paul tells us to put on all of God's armor. Armor is an interesting relationship word. It sounds like battle, right? You're going to fight. You're going to go after it with people. And by the way, as, just as this is, is up here right now, um, it reminded me that if you didn't bring something to write with or a Bible to look at or something like that, you can pull out your phone. We're going to be following along on an app called YouVersion, uh, and you can download that app, open it up, and go to events where you can find all of the information we've been talking about and all of these scriptures and message notes and things like that. So feel free to grab that without any fear of judgment here before being on your church, uh, being on your church, on your phone. In church, all right? Yeah, you can be on your church all day long. <laughs> all right, so um, as we're picking up in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, it says, put on the whole armor of God. There's going to be a fight. 
that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Why? For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Sometimes we get to a point in our relationships, especially when it comes to sensitive stuff like this, where it feels like we are fighting against each other, right? You're going to bring something up and you're just going to get into a fight with somebody. You look at your spouse, you look at your best friend, you look at the people in your church and you're like, oh gosh, I'm so sick of them calling me out on that. I'm so sick of the way that they're doing this. Maybe it's little tiny things that are just building up over time. You're like, gosh, they're so dumb. I can't stand the way they breathe, you know? <laughs> says, Why? Why can't they just close the, close the closet? Something like that, you know? That's my thing with my kids right now. I'm like, close the closet. Why? Just do it. You guys are like, oh my gosh, he's very angry. I, I'm admittedly, all right, you can be my wingman in this. I'm angry about the closet, okay? But we end up going like, man, what's in my mind, in my heart, like natural Dave is like, what's the matter with these kids? You know, like why? Why are they conspiring against me? What don't they know? Don't they know how much? And we start getting angry and offended inside. And we start rolling our eyes. In, you know, it's like every time we see him, and we're like, oh gosh, look at you. Think of life is so good. You just run free while others have to close the closet all the time. You know, like just resentment building up in you. It happens all the time. You're having a good time, right? <laughs> Here's the thing. Someone else is having a good time with this too. Like, I, I believe the enemy's having a good time with this. He's like, yeah, those kids really don't care about you, Dave. You know, see, oh, they're so ungrateful. And we are... My enemy is not my children. Your enemy is not your spouse. Your enemy is not your friends or the people in your group. Your enemy is the father of lies, the prince of darkness, all the demons in hell that are scheming against you, looking for where you're weak and looking for where you're vulnerable, studying you, studying your marriage, your relationships, trying to get in to devour and kill and destroy. Paul said it that way. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're not fighting against the people that God has given us. We are fighting against something else. Put it this way. People are not your enemy. Everybody say that with me. People are not your enemy. No matter what the offense is, no matter how many times there's been hurt before, no matter what the relationship, people are not your enemy. You find yourself struggling in a relationship. You're frustrated. You're angry. You're afraid. You're resentful. You're hurting. You're losing trust. Remember, your spouse is not your enemy. You are fighting against spiritual forces of this dark world scheming to hurt you and steal from you and destroy you and everything good and your relationships. It's like Home Alone, right? How many of you like the movie Home Alone? Crazy thing about this movie. How, have you ever heard the debate about whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie? Okay. <laughs> I don't get it. Home Alone, nobody questions whether or not Home Alone is a Christmas movie, right? It's the same thing. It just happens at Christmas, which is enough for me. It really is enough for me. Um, but anyway, Home Alone, right? There, there are some people in his life, in Kevin's life, Kevin! People in his life that left him vulnerable to attack, right? They left him behind. 
There's some hurt. There's some offense. There's probably some stuff Kevin's going to have. You know, Home Alone 4 is where he goes to counseling to work on all of these things. But somehow he got left home alone three times. Home Alone 5, CPS is called. You know, like, what's going on here? Anyway, but there are people in his life that left him vulnerable to attack but the people in his life are not the enemy. That's actually what he, what he finds out. It's like the moral of the story is like, man, how I miss my family. I don't know if those are the words, but it's what happens in here when the music is playing. But his response, right, he, it, it comes out that there is an enemy. There is an enemy that Kevin is facing that is out to steal, that is out to hurt and harm and destroy. And what is his response? It's to prepare. It's to be ready, right? He's looking out the window. He pulls back the curtain. When those guys come back, I'll be ready. You're like, yeah, Kevin, get them, you know? His response is to prepare. We have an enemy. Our response needs to be prepare. Why? Why do we need to be ready? Because the enemy's plans are not obvious. Your enemy's plans are not obvious. 1 Peter 5.8 puts it this way. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Maybe we could edit it up and change it a little bit. Seeking relationships to devour. Seeking futures to devour. Seeking marriages to devour. Again, we'll go back to home alone, right? Wouldn't it be nice if our enemy's plans were as obvious as, as the wet bandit's plans are? Okay? Unfortunately, our enemy doesn't stand right outside of our window and tell us exactly the strike of the clock when he's going to be coming back to get us, right? We'll come back at 8 o'clock. I always found this was crazy, right? On the stroke of 8, Kevin is able to get up and be like, all right, it's go time. Really? It's amazing synchronization. I know there's some like home alone person out there that's, that's going to be like, oh, actually, here's how he did know the exact moment when they were calling. I'm going to get an email this week and that will explain the whole thing to me. I've always found it strange, all right? And unfortunately, it's not the way that our enemy operates. The enemy's plans are not obvious. One thing we know about the devil is that he never announces his intentions to attack. He never says, warning, just so you know, tomorrow... Big fight with your spouse coming. You're going to be very irritated. I'm going to be whispering lies to you at about, oh, 8 o'clock today. So be ready. Have your Bible in hand. Have spent time with Jesus that day. No, no, no. It's not how that works at all. He's going to come at you when you're blessed, when you're doing great. And there's not going to be any warning that he's coming to destroy your life. He's the father of lies, and he's sneaky. He's subtle. And he often attacks in some form of two different ways, with distractions and with seductions. I want to talk about each of these separately. First of all, uh, the enemy will attack with distractions. Your enemy's attacks are not just the big stuff. That's what we usually think, right? When everything's going to absolute garbage in your life, something big happens, those are the moments where we're like, oh, I think we're under spiritual attack. Yeah, you know what? Maybe, maybe you are. But... The enemy does not attack just in the big stuff. He will attack you in the distractions. You ever heard the phrase, the devil is in the details, right? It's in the small stuff, the little things, the distractions of life. All from from the beginning, 
Eve, and there's this serpent, a suggestion that says, hey, this looks good. God doesn't really want that for you, right? It wouldn't really hurt if you just took one, just one bite. Looks good, doesn't it? There's these distractions that come in. It's echoed and repeated all throughout Scripture to this, ver- this verse in this book of Song of Solomon, which is about a relationship. Song of Solomon 2, verse 15, when Solomon is writing these love letters. They're weird love letters, but they're, they're kind of steamy too, all right? So you can go and check that out. Uh, but in it, Solomon writes, catch the foxes for us. And he's writing to this, this woman, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. What is he talking about? Who writes this stuff and why? Why would you write to someone that you were pursuing in relationship, catch the foxes, my love? Like, that's weird stuff, unless maybe you have a wild game dinner coming up. Just catch the foxes and then we'll eat them, all right? No, no. What do the foxes do here? Well, the foxes would go into the vineyard and they would eat the blossoms so that the blossoms would never fall, so that you'd never, ever have a grape. You'd never be able to taste the wine. There would not be any of the good stuff. Why? Because the fox would come in and get it when it was small, when it was just a little, a little thing. So what did you, what did you have to do? What, did, what was he saying? You got to watch for the little foxes that seem cute, that seem harmless. You just want to get a little Instagram photo of it. It's no big deal. Like, no, watch for the foxes, the things that are barely even noticed, that nobody ever really talks about. But if those things go unchecked in your life, they will destroy the entire harvest. What does our enemy do? He'll try to distract you with the little foxes of life. Not big, obvious things, but little things that someone else might not even notice, might not even pay attention to. Maybe, just for example, for you it's comparison. Where you're in a relationship, you you have your spouse, but there's this comparison that will creep in, this little distraction, right? Oh, my husband's not romantic like him. I really enjoy it. This other guy seems to get me in a way that my spouse just doesn't seem to get. He does the little things. He noticed that I got my hair cut. And it creeps into our hearts. We start comparing. And it's this little fox that starts running around and eating little blossoms. Maybe it's, it's the little things, right? Just nitpicky things, you know, like, ah, I don't know what. Ridiculous small things, meaningless things, insignificant things, but they build up and you're like, oh, I can't stand the way she does this. I don't know why she won't just do that. My friend, you know, he's, he's constantly showing up late to this and, and it gets in there and it builds up and we hold on to it and what ends up happening? The harvest gets spoiled. Maybe for you it's money. The two of you, have, you've got no plan, no vision, no direction. You always end up fighting, and this is going to build and build until eventually the harvest is gone. There's nothing to enjoy. There's no good stuff there anymore. Bottom line is this. The devil knows where we are vulnerable. He'll attack whatever triggers your anger, your fear, your insecurity. And he attacks with little distractions, little things to take you off track and bring division because the devil hates what God loves, hates it. The devil will also use seductions, sexual temptation to take us away from God's plan. We're going to get real here today, right? Might I, I don't know if there's any kids here still, but journey, oh, so good. Uh, parents, get ready, all right? Devil will use seduction in our lives. I'm sorry, I, porn, it's a huge one. I just read in an article recently this week that said now 60% of divorces Cite pornography as a contributing factor to the divorce. 60% cite pornography 
as a contributing factor. You know what that says to me? There's even more that don't say that. Because this is a really hard thing to bring up. It's a weird thing to talk about. And when 60% are at a point in their life that no one wants to be at ever, nobody sets out going like, you know what would be great? If we could have so much pain and argument and, and brokenness in our marriage that it would fall apart and we would say, yeah, it was probably because we looked at a little harmless porn. 60% saying, yeah, that had something to do with it. Perhaps that's why one, one reason why Ephesians 5.3 is as important today as perhaps it's ever been. Ephesians 5.3 says this, But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. I told you, we're going to be going for it today. i got a lot of stuff. We're going to go fast, so buckle up. Because here we go, we're going for it today. Everybody say, not a hint. That's good, you guys are picking up on it really, really well. Not a hint of sexual impurity. I want to do some definition today. We're going to define hint. I wanted to know what hint meant this week, so I went to dictionary.com. That's what I do. All right, so I, went, I wanted to know what hint meant. That's, those are, if you're ever wondering, like, man, pastors, like, how do you get like, the theological insight Google, dictionary.com. Um, I can give you all the other resources that have been used here today. All right? I wanted to know what hint meant, so I looked it up in the dictionary. And every single one of, one of the definitions has something to do with indirect, covert, suggestive, slight or hardly noticeable amount, an occasion, just a little bit, Right? That's what, when we say a hint of something, I'm going to give you a hint, right? It's not coming out and being direct. It's indirect. It's subtle. It's just a little bit. Just, just a little bit. In other words, it's not obvious. We typically think of the enemy's attacks as the obvious things, right? No, no, no. Not even a hint means it's not obvious. It's not the big stuff. I thought maybe we could play a little game called Is There a Hint? All right? So is there a hint? Just for fun, because I think a lot of people today in our culture, we've, we've lowered this standard. We've lowered this bar, all right? From the goodness that God has for us, we've said, we've said no, nah, I want to settle for something a little bit less because it's easier, it's more fun, it feels good. So we have this lower bar that's keeping us from all the good that God has for us in our relationship goals. So let's play a little game here today. I'm just going to give you some scenarios, and uh, you can kind of tell me if you think there might be a hint of sexual immorality or impurity in this. Sound fun, right? No, no, it's not, it's not fun. All right, uh, number one, you lie to your spouse and go have raging hot sex with someone you met online. Hint or no hint? No hint. No, hint. no, no, no. There, there's a hint. There's, there's a hint just a little bit there, okay? Uh, scenario number two, uh, you watch porn on your phone just, just once or twice a week. There's a hint there, all right? I'm going to start going a little bit faster because these are going to get a little bit more uncomfortable as we go here. Uh, what if instead you're just going to watch some inappropriate Netflix content, right? Or, or read a steamy romantic novel. Let your imagination just kind of take you off wherever you're going to go. Uh, what about dressing provocatively in a way that might draw attention or posting immodest photos on social media for guys to look at there and then maybe you'll get a few likes. What about having maybe some borderline inappropriate conversations with someone you know you shouldn't be having? It's not about the thing. It's about the direction. Sometimes we want to go, all right, well, 
We're playing this game, Dave, you know, but like, all right, so where is the line? Where is the thing? It's not about the line. It's about the direction. We sometimes want to know how far is too, too far. How much is okay? Today, I want to say, I want to invite you to change directions, all right? Instead of going, where's the line? How close to it can I get to, to the place where there's a hint? What if we change directions in our life? Why is it so often that we want to see how close we can get to that line when the closer we get to the line, the more vulnerable we are to attack? It's like I tell my kids, you know, if we were at the Grand Canyon, if we're on the edge of the freeway, it's not like, well, we know that there's death right here. So, you know, hey, uh, Nora, why don't you go and see how close you can get to the edge of the cliff, you know? No, we don't do that at all. Why? Because we're good parents that say, hey, there's something bad at the edge of that cliff, and I want you to stay away. This is what God has for you. He doesn't have judgment for where you are. He, in love and kindness, wants to warn you about what is there. And it instead says, turn around. Get away. Do not go close to that line. I put it there so that you would not experience all of the bad stuff that is there. I want to invite you to change direction. The closer we get to that line, the more vulnerable we are. Solomon, he wrote Song of Solomon. He also wrote the book of Proverbs. He's said to be one of the wisest men to ever live. And he said it this way in Proverbs 4. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it. Pass on. Go a different direction. Those four things. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn from it. Go your own way. In other words, we're going to distance ourselves from everything that might compromise any part of us that would hurt ourselves, hurt other people that we care about, or hurt our marriages. We're going to get far away. We want to run. We want to go a different way. Examples of this, right? Maybe you have some issues with the things that you're looking at or the people that you're talking to or, the, or the, the, the profiles that you visit on your phone. I would invite you to turn around and run from that by putting some limits on your phone. Technology can be a beautiful thing as well. You can put limits up. You can set someone that also knows passwords or looks at those things. Um, maybe, I know, Gwen and I, honestly, if you're, if you're a female here, I'm sorry, it's not because I think so much of myself that I don't really hang out with you alone a whole lot. No, it's because I think so little of myself, all right? I think so little of myself that I don't really have a whole lot of female friends that I'm just like chilling with all the time. Hey, let's grab some lunch. No, no, that's not really, I don't even really text or message y'all on my own. You'll usually get one that's like Gwen is on there and stuff. And you just know, like every time you see that and be like, oh, you can look at that and go, instead of that's so weird, you could go, oh, Dave loves Gwen. You know, like, just, just say that inside of your mind. Because I don't, I don't want to, hey, it's, like I said, I don't think that I'm, like, so devastatingly attractive that you can't handle being at lunch with me or something like that. It's like, no, it's just, just, just be flattered, all right? Just, just know that I'm trying to, like, hey, y'all are wonderful ladies. You know, I don't want to do anything or have anything ever even, like, no foxes, just no foxes running around in this vineyard here, Okay. <laughs> None of that stuff. <laughs> Anybody else getting warm in here? <laughs> Maybe it's your gym schedule, though, you know? I, you, you start going to the gym, and you're, you're, you always pick, the, pick the, the treadmill at the back. Maybe you need to pick the treadmill at the front, you know, or find a different time to go. I don't know what it is for you, but the question is, where are you vulnerable? 
Only you really know that. I can't stand up here and say, like, for all people, this is a Christian standard, the front treadmill. Like, no, I'm not going <laughs> to... I don't know. Where, where are you vulnerable, you know? What, where, is, where is your line? Not a person in the world that can keep you from crossing it, but you got to know where the line is. you got to know where your line is. And I would, I, would, I would invite you to invite someone else into that. Discuss it with, have a wingman, right? Discuss it with your spouse. Discuss it with your life group and answer honestly. Answer honestly. If you're married, sit down with your spouse and go, wait, where are we currently most vulnerable to spiritual attack? If you're not married, just make it singular. Where am I most vulnerable to spiritual attack? And you have to be honest because you're only as strong as you are honest. You're only as strong as you are honest. If you look on that YouVersion app, there's seven accountability questions at the bottom. And the le- I love question number seven. You get to the bottom of it, and there's all these questions for like, people to talk about together. And question number seven is, have you just lied to me? <laughs> because we do, right? It's like, all right, oh, no, no, it wasn't that bad. I've been pretty great. Have you just lied to me? Yeah. I, I, I have. You know, I get embarrassed. We're ashamed. We want to fly solo on this stuff. We don't want to be judged. We're afraid... It happens. We're people, right? But we're only as strong as we are honest. We have to bring this stuff out. You might say, Dave, you, you really sound very puritanical. It's a little bit crazy. Like, man, I, I don't know if I'm ever coming back to this church, uh, you know, because that, this sounds nuts, right, what you're describing. I, I would just ask you, why would you fight a temptation in the future that you have a, the power to eliminate today? If you've ever watched Stranger Things, I, I love Stranger Things, all right? There's this little tiny, in, in, a couple seasons ago, there was this little tiny Demogorgon thing, a little uh, polywog was what it was called. Oh, polywog sounds so cute, like a little lizard. And Dustin gets it, and he's like, oh, look at this. It's so cute. And he starts feeding it little nougat things and everything. And his friends come over, and they're like, um, that thing looks messed up, you know? That thing's going to grow up to be a beast that kills everyone and everything. And Dustin, this, this dude, he's like, no, no, no. It's my polywog. It's cute. It's my precious. I love it. Don't hurt it. One of his friends actually, like, pick up a hammer. He's like, I'm going to smash the thing. And he's like, no. Sure enough, what happens in the future, right? Could have killed it. Could have taken it out when it's little. But in the future, it grows up, and it becomes a beast. And it terrorizes everyone and everything and is looking to devour them. Why would you fight a temptation in the future when you have the power to eliminate it today? The problems, the little things, the foxes, they only get bigger. They only get stronger. And here's the thing. So do the consequences. The problems only get bigger and stronger, and so do the consequences. The longer we protect it, the longer we let it live. There's two people that are going to be hearing this. One of the people is going, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I, I can handle the lunch. I can handle the back row. I can handle a little bit on my phone. I'm good. I don't need this. The second person is going, I'm, I'm way too messed up. I'm broken. I've tried. I can't, I, I can't do this. Like, uh, you're feeling hopeless about it. And to both of you, Paul actually says the same thing. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12 to 13. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands... Take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape 
that you may be able to endure it. Those who think that you're all good, that this stuff is no big deal. You don't really have to worry about it. You're fine. You can, you can str- fight against it on your own. Be careful if you think you're standing firm. Be careful that you don't fall. Why? Because pride comes before the fall. It's right when you think that you're good, that you can't be touched, that this stuff comes up and bites you in the rear end. To the one who says, I'm stuck. I can't get out. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. I want you to hear that today. It's what, except what is common the enemies, one of the enemy's schemes is to say, you're alone. You're the only one that's dealing with this. You're the only one that's struggling. You're the only one that's addicted, that can't get out. No, the Bible says no, nothing's overtaking you that's not common. There's no fear of judgment here. Why? Because a lot of people, dare I say most, have been or are currently are where you are. And when one person steps forward and says, I'm going to fight this, I'm going to bring it into light, it brings so much power to everybody else to be able to, to say, you know what, me too, me too. We see this with the me too movement, right? What is one person that's willing to bring something into light do for everybody else? Now there's, now there's power in bringing this stuff into the light and you're able to actually attack the attacker, to take down the power that has been terrorizing you and so many others because you bring it into the light. Today, here's the good news. We've got a, we have a faithful God. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, listen, listen here. Our God will give you a way out. You don't have to take the way out. You have a way out. It doesn't mean that every time you sin that God failed. No, no, no. He's not going to let it be too much. You can't say like, oh, I couldn't help it. I'm just a man. So, no, no, no. You, you had an out. You had a way. And if you're here today, maybe you didn't know why. Maybe you, don't, maybe you wish you weren't here right now. But this today, you're not here by accident. God, you are here because God wants to give you a way out for what you're currently struggling with or what you could be struggling with in the future. He's for you. He's for your relationship goals. It's his kindness and his love that leads us to repentance. And the first step is bringing it to the light. We cannot fight in secret. We can't do it alone. We can't do it in the dark. We fight by bringing things to the light. I want to go back to this same verse in Ephesians 5, just a little bit later on, 8 to 13. Paul says, for at one time, You were in darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children in the light. It says this is who you are. It's not who you're trying to be, right? You are children of light, so live like it. Walk in it. Be that. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful even to speak about things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. I love that. When anything's exposed by light, it becomes visible. There's four things that happen when we bring our vulnerabilities and temptations out of the dark and into the light, and we make these things visible by inviting a wingman into it. Here's the first thing that happens. Light helps us see what we can't. When, things, when this gets visible with the light, we bring it out into the light. Light will help us see what we can't. There are things about you, believe it or not, that you can't see. Habits that you have. The impact that you have on others. 
And when we bring these things out into the light and give people permission to shine light on them, they actually end up getting exposed. But some of you are like, no, 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 I don't want people judging me. Matthew 7, you would even say, this is biblical, right? We're not supposed to judge. Here's what it says. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye and do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. Here's where it gets interesting, right? We just got told not to judge. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do you see what happened there? It's not, there's not this blanket, don't pay attention to the speck in somebody else's eye. It's not about do not judge. It's not be careful not to judge, but be careful how you judge. Be careful how you judge. Be careful how you approach sin in other people's life. Why? Because the way that you do it with others is the way it's going to come back at you. So it's not, it's don't be so quick to jump. Don't be so quick to point out. Uh, hey, hey, look, you're messing up again. Look at that. You got a log in your eye. No, no, no. Take a look at your own life first. Take a look. What do you see in other people that you don't see in you? Start with that stuff. Then, when you start addressing some of that stuff, when you start inviting other people to speak into your life and show you, hey, shine the light around. Take a look. What do you see? And you start addressing in those, then you will see clearly to do what? To take the speck out of your brother's eye. Essentially, we're saying this. This is not a blanket, do not judge, do not do eye surgery on people. No, no, no. We're people that don't see clearly and we need eye surgery. We just don't want people with impaired vision doing our eye surgery, right? How many of you want to go and get to an eye doctor that, that had, like, he's wearing sunglasses? You know, you're like, uh, sir, it's like those Geico commercials. Like, yeah, I'm pretty okay at this. Like, no, no, I want perfect vision from you, man. Perfect vision because this is a big deal. And we are. People our souls, like we are a big deal. So don't go around judging everybody and making everybody feel bad and pointing out things when you're a hypocrite. No, no, no. Shine the light on yourself first so that in doing so, you'll be able to, to shine light on others in love. Because light shows things for what they are too. When we start living things out, when other things start getting exposed, light will show things for what they are. Have you ever noticed when in the dark, there's scary shadows? Things don't look right. You're wondering, like, ah, what, what is that? Light shows us the things that are scary. It shows us the things that look dangerous. And it also shows us the things that are actually good. Sometimes it removes the fear because it looked big and scary and dangerous, and now the light gets flipped on, and it's like, oh, it's, it's, just, it's just that. Light shows your people. Light shows friends for who they are. And light, sometimes when somebody shines a light in your life, it's going to show you for who you are, too. People get so scared about this stuff. You know, like, oh, I don't know. If somebody starts talking to me about some of the things in my life, the stuff that I'm doing, you know, like, it's just scary. It's just going to be bad. It's going to be uncomfortable. No, 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 no. Listen to this. 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Here's the difference. When we start, when we have a relationship with people, when it's not on the table, we love you, we're not going anywhere, 
This, does, this doesn't affect stuff, but we have to deal with it. When you're, we have a relationship of love, there's not fear of love being lost anymore. You can deal with the problem. You can show it for what it is and say, we're going to attack this together because I love you and I'm for you and I'm with you and that's not going to change. Perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Sometimes shining a light, we think, oh, I'm going to get caught, so I'm going to get punished. No, no, no. What if the opposite is true? You're going to get caught so that you can get set free. You're going to get found out, and there's going to be good stuff. It's not about relationship. It's relationship being in jeopardy, but these people, these moments, what if they were in love, done for you, for building up? Ephesians 4, I'm going to skip ahead to verse 15. says that we are called to, rather, speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth, you know, a lot of times we start talking about wingman, accountability. It's speak the truth, right? I'm going to call it out. I'm going to tell him what he's doing wrong. We get so excited about that. Remember, take a look at yourself, but in speaking the truth in love, I'm with you. I'm for you. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. It's speaking the truth in love. Both of these things have to be present. What this says to me is that when you go to a doctor, right, and he's going to... It's going to shine the light in there, around in there, whether that's an x-ray or, an, or a CAT scan or, or, or the old school flashlight. You're going to shine some light around in there. You expect your doctor. You hope your doctor will tell you what he sees. You hope that she will tell you exactly what it is, will show things for what they are, and you don't get mad at the doctor for their diagnosis, right? You can get mad. You can be angry. You can be upset. You can be hurting. There are consequences for this going to be painful, but nobody gets mad at the doctor for the diagnosis. And he says, how could you? How dare you judge me? No, because we know that the doctor is for you. We know our doctors are our friends here, and they're showing you what's there for you, for your good, because they want you to be healthy. They want to be on the team. And that's the third thing, is that light brings life and growth. <coughs> Excuse me. Sometimes finding out is good, Right? When we're kids, we always think that getting found out is bad. Sometimes finding something out, especially when it's something like this, go to a doctor, you want to get found out. You want to know what's actually there. Shine that light around. Show me what's really there for what it is. Sometimes finding out is good. James 5.16 puts it this way. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Confess your sins, not just to God. This is what it says. Confess your sins to one another, to a wingman, to somebody that loves you, that's in it with you, that you trust, where relationship isn't, it's not going anywhere, who loves you but loves Jesus more. Why? So that you may be healed. Because when it gets brought to light, now we can deal with it. You can't deal with what's in the dark. It's got to be brought to light before you can start taking, tackling it together for health, for life, for growth. And when you start doing that, now all of a sudden, you've got the fourth thing. Light offers hope. Now, in the darkness, there was no hope. Things were dark. Things were cold. There's no growth. There's no life that happens there. But when light starts entering in, when things start getting shown for what they are, there is life that happens there, and light can offer hope. John 8 tells this story of a woman who has been caught. She's been found out. 
She's been living a life of sleeping with all kinds of dudes, and none of them are her husband. And back, and back in that day, that was an offense that was punishable by death, and she gets found out. Interestingly, none of the guys get found out. I find that odd if you're caught in the act. But anyway, she's the one that gets caught, found out, dragged out into the public square. And this is what most of us fear, right? Humiliating. Got found out, embarrassed, shame, punishment, consequences. And oh, here's the worst part of all. Jesus is there, you know? She doesn't just get caught and caught by everybody else. It's caught by God, right? You're supposed to be on your best behavior in front of Jesus. But Jesus is right there. And everybody's picking up rocks to start throwing at her until she's dead. This is the way that they did stuff. And all eyes are on Jesus because he's, I mean, man, he, he's become known as a guy that's teaching is from God and there's power and everybody wants to know, how does he view this? How does he respond to this level of sin? How does he respond to somebody that's been caught in the act and dragged out into public? Isn't he supposed to be for what's right and, and heap on the punishment and the judgment here? And everybody else, all the broken, imperfect people with logs in their eye are standing there with rocks in their hands, except for Jesus. Somehow or another, Jesus speaks and responds to her and everyone else there. Even the people that are in their sin holding rocks, he speaks in response to all of them in such a way that they start letting their guard down, dropping their rocks, and turning around and walking away. And I can only imagine there's this woman laying on the ground, weeping, preparing for the end of her life, completely shamed and humiliated, who suddenly doesn't hear anything else and looks up and all she sees is Jesus. And instead of judgment and punishment that she might expect to find there, he reaches out a hand and picks her up, dusts her off, wipes her tears, and says this in John 8. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? God's supposed to condemn us, right? Now Jesus says, Has nobody condemned you? She says, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, then neither do I condemn you. Neither do I. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The punishment that you were supposed to get has been taken by Jesus on the cross. He stands condemned. He takes the rocks so that you can stand in his place. Perfect made new, new hope, unstained, unashamed, unafraid. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But I love this, right? Because we get that first part so, we, we get that right often. We put on the doors of our church, come as you are, no perfect people allowed, right? This is a come as you are church. Jesus is a come as you are God. Anybody can come and you will find love and acceptance and grace and mercy no matter what the sin. But he also does this. Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Are we a come-as-you-are church? Yes, Jesus loves you just as you are, not as you should be. That is true and forever will be, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. 
He will meet you wherever you are with grace and love and compassion in his eyes and pick you up and dust you off and say, this isn't who you are. This isn't my plan for you. I don't want the brokenness and hurt anymore in your life. And it's the sin that's doing it. Go and don't sin anymore. John 8, 12 finishes by saying this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Today, light has come. Whatever's been in the darkness in your life, whatever's been in the darkness in your relationships, in your marriage, the things that you've done in in secret, in private, hoping, wishing, thinking no one will ever get found out, afraid of what would happen if you were to be found out. Today, it's a new day. The sun is risen. There's hope now where there hasn't been hope before. And Jesus is there offering his hand to you saying, come on, I don't condemn you. We don't condemn you. We love you just as you are, not as you should be. But you're loved too much to let you, to, to stay that way. In these closing moments, we're gonna sing some songs and there's gonna be a prayer team up here. I know sometimes things can be scary. There's also a prayer team that's gonna be in the back and that can be scary. But I just wanna encourage you to take the first step into the light today. Maybe it's gonna be a conversation with somebody later on, but step into relationship with Jesus today. Maybe for the first time, where you say, I've been hiding, I've been living in darkness, and I wanna walk into the light because there's hope and freedom there and life like nothing I've ever experienced before because there's love and acceptance and no fear there. I don't wanna invite you to make today that day as we sing these songs together. Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.